Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. Hello, welcome Marlow, welcome the web. How are we all? It's Wednesday. Thank you for joining us here on Marlow FM. My name's Sam Sethi and I've been away for a few weeks, but I'm back and I'm really excited today because I've got a really good friend in, Ralph Cochran, who's joining me. Now, Ralph and I first met many, many years, 13 years ago, I think, we uh, were discussing over lunch. And uh, Ralph has since been doing a lot of work in the space of video but he's done a lot more now today ralph is the ceo of a company called creative grid ralph what is creative grid hello and how are you well first of all thanks for having me sam it's good to see you after all this time Uh, the creative grid is as the name kind of suggests it's a network of creatives for video and filmmaking and it's something that i've built over the past 10 years uh, and I guess it's a lifestyle business as well so I know that's something we're going to kind of delve into a yeah, bit. Yeah you're a digital nomad we're going to have to find out what one of those is. Yeah I'm a, it's kind of a more polite phrase for traveller isn't it because that's got certain <laughs> connotations but yeah I love travel um, I love working with video with all things visual and I think compared to when I met you it's quite a departure from what I was doing kind of software coding communications for big telecoms um, and that's all happened in the past kind of 15 years really but perhaps these days when you think about video I mean we've all got a mobile phone a lot of us are using Instagram or Facebook or just taking photos of our family and of course dare I say perhaps younger generations are also into things like Snapchat and TikTok and all these other platforms so videos become a much more central thing for communication and for business really. Yeah so what I'd like to do is really understand today what what you're doing with video and you've got some great examples of what you've been doing and then we're going to go and touch a little bit on your past how we met i mean we've got a great story about how you organized an event at blenheim palace which i went to but i didn't know you organized yeah i can't believe that i can't believe you didn't give me credit <laughs> you, you stayed in the background you never came forward uh, it's a good northern way you know, oh, isn't it? You know, okay. do, the, do the work Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> I was just lapping it all up. Um, Drinking then, the champagne. That's and then I, I think in the, the last section, on the future section, I really want to cover off, you know, where you see video going. So we were talking over lunch about TikTok, mm. Snapchat, uh, YouTube, influencers, and obviously all the streaming services that are coming down the track. So, you know, video has got a massive area. Podcasting as well is big in that space, but I really want to focus on video. But let's start off with Creative Grid. So... What do you really do? I mean, do you, you've got corporate clients and, and you travel the world. Give us some examples of what you do. Yes, I mean, a, a big chunk of our work is corporate video. So basically, whether it's an event or whether it's a case study about your customers, uh, CEO, um, also news. So talking about kind of online news, if you imagine a business TV station, a lot of my work is for the mobile industry. Uh, am I allowed to name publications name, that I work with? You can. Uh, so people like Mobile World Live which is the number one uh, source of news for the mobile industry. Uh, And that takes me around the world filming events. As things have gone on, that's led to live streaming. So that's still pretty new, really. I think a lot of people are familiar with perhaps live streams to Facebook or YouTube. If you're into gaming, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, you might have seen some of this or on Facebook. But I'm talking about multiple cameras, slides, kind of much more professional level, mini broadcasting, really. Um, So kind of a TV station in a box that you can 
travel around with. A um, little bit of advertising. I mean, actually, I probably do a lot more corporate work. Uh, and more recently, a documentaries as well so that's a, a kind of growth area for me because i love telling stories and documentaries gives you a little bit longer to kind of build the suspense and the story uh, and hopefully get that onto places like netflix amazon apple um which i know we're going to talk about in a bit as well yeah so um traveling the world you do this on your own. There's not a massive team of you doing this. You were talking about the fact that today with technology, you can literally pack it all up in one bag and literally you're there and you can do a conference or you can do a Vox Pop or you can do a documentary. I mean, what sort of equipment are you using nowadays and how reliable is it around the world in terms of the internet? Yeah, I mean, so literally this year, I think I've probably worked in... I don't know, 12, 14 countries around the world, so everywhere from Latin America to Russia recently. I was lucky enough to be in Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, you get to see how technology is changing, but also how people are using it. And I think one of the things that stands out for me is that the barriers of entry are lower than they used to be. So it's not like, you know, when I'm filming in Africa, places like Rwanda, um, yes, I've got more experience and I'm a bit older, um, but I think, you know, if you're somebody who wants to get into filmmaking, you can watch a lot of YouTube videos and you can experiment and, and you can kind of get there, you know, you can try this out. Um, in terms of the equipment, Weight limits are a big problem on airlines uh, and also being checked. And I think they're getting worse, to be honest. So, um, you know, next week I'll be in the Middle East. The weight limit is 25 kilograms on Emirates. Um, and I have to fit within that or I at least have to come up with a way of minimizing it to two suitcases, for instance. So next week I'll have three cameras. Uh, I'll have three tripods. I'll have wow. a lot of audio gear. Um, I'll have my laptop for editing. Um, I'll have a couple of kind of accessories, if you like, so I can do those moving shots and those clever kind of hyperlapses of Dubai that people like. Um, and I've got to find a way of getting all of that onto the plane. And a lot of it is carry-on um, because a couple of reasons. One, the batteries, you're not allowed to put them in the hold. So if you've got drone batteries, I'll also have a drone. Um, I was going to ask you, are you into drone oh, video yeah, production? Yeah. I got, remember that you were, so... Yeah, I mean, the drone laws have just changed in... Well, the guidance has just changed in the UK, so we all have to Was that because you register. had the Heathrow drone that you let loose? I think it was Gatwick, wasn't it? Oh. I, I was Gatwick, mate. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> south. No, I, it wasn't me. Um, the uh, the guidelines have changed, so you now do an online test. Uh, well, let's do our PSA bit, our public service announcement. You do an online test, uh, which is pretty easy to do. Okay. If you just want to fly a drone, I think it's free. How many have you lost so far? Uh, two, including two. one a couple How of weeks ago crashed? in Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, it's to do with being stupid. Because at the end of the day, you're flying something. And if you're, a, I don't know, it, you, you, you've had a long day, you've just got to get the shot, you're under pressure, you're rushing, tends to be the reason these things happen. But the first story is when drones first came in, which was a few years ago, and I was on holiday in Malta. And I decided I wanted to do a shot like the opening credits of kind of Game of Thrones. There was a bit where there's like a slide from right to left of the amazing skyline of Valletta. And it looked really good on my phone and I was like yeah this is going to be great and stupidly it was a bit windy I was pushing my luck and I thought I'll just do it one more time so this is the old if anybody's into drones kind of DJI Phantom the original one right 
pretty old. Uh, actually, not the original one. I didn't have a GoPro hanging off the bottom. It did have its own camera. And so I went up again, and I'm just doing this sliding shot. And then I thought, it'd be really good, like, looking straight down over the letter, all the little streets, like a grid. That was in, I think, Born Identity they filmed there. Some of the shots, they're supposed to be in Africa, but it's actually in uh, Malta. And then, can't see the drone. And all I saw was, like, one fleeting image on the phone where the drone is just looking at the sea, and it's telling me that it's just going down. Into this. And I'm like, this is 1,200 quid's worth of, of drone. And I'm like, no, no, you know. So I lost the drone, and you have to do this kind of can like... Can you insure uh, drones? You, not really. I no. mean, you can. You insure them for, obviously, if you're flying them professionally, um, you insure them for things like if you hit somebody, right. which you shouldn't do because you should be following the rules, but let's say that happens, or you damage... I don't know, somebody's property. But the actual drone, most insurers, it's like, well, you know, that, that's kind of your excess. Sorry. Unless okay. you've got a very expensive drone, I guess. So anyway, I get on my little scooter, my moped, go around the bay, which kind of tells you how far away I probably was from this. I don't think I was quite in line of sight, okay. if I'm being totally honest. And do you have to be in line of sight? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one of the rules. Oh, so there's a okay. height limit, 120 <coughs> feet. Um, and, uh, sorry, 120 metres. I should know this. I did the test, like, two weeks ago. And, um... Did you pass? I did. <laughs> okay. Just check. Give me a mark. You might have done might the have test. Just it doesn't mean if you passed. Um, and you have to be in line of sight, and you should be at least 50 metres away from people. And if there's a big crowd, which, again, I should know, but I think it's over a 1,000 people constitutes a big crowd, you can't fly over the top of it. Okay. So... The idea of like, you know, the, the kind of EDM style concert and the drone flying over the top, not unless you've gone through getting permission for that with the organisers, with the Civil Aviation Authority. Um, so you kind of have permission. No, you can't do it. Okay. But anyway, I drive around in my moped. This is back in Malta. And as I came round the other side of the bay, there's a massive British naval warship like the I, don't, I can't remember the name of it, but it's brand new. It's dealing with like the refugee crisis or something, early days of that. And I decided to try and fly over the top of it. And I now know, of course, they jam all the frequencies, which is why I couldn't see my drone. I saw this little drone coming. I'm like, nope. And uh, I'm sure there was somebody sat there on the warship chuckling as my drone just kind of descended into the sea. But, uh, you know, you'd think I'd learn my lesson, but just two weeks ago... I took off in Brighton, which is allowed before anybody calls in and says, you know, is he allowed to do it in Brighton Beach? Yes, you are. Um, I checked, but I didn't leave it long enough to find all the GPS, you know, the satellites. I th at least I think that's the mistake I made. Took off and it just immediately flew into the sea. <laughs> it's like, Everyone what's going on there? He doesn't know what he's doing, first no, time. No, nobody even noticed. It was oh, really? Brighton. They're all just chilled out, aren't oh, they? Okay. I mean, it was a beautiful, like, golden hour, you know, the hour of sunset, or just before sunset. I mean, stunning photos, which you can see on my Instagram, The Creative Grid. Um, but what Sorry, you can't see... That? The Creative Grid. No, is just my checking Instagram. you've got it in there, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Um, I can spell it for you as well if you want, Sam. Uh, <laughs> Lester's your schoolboy. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> you spell spelling, spelling Lester's a problem, isn't it? Say, spell Loughborough and Leicestershire. <laughs> and once you can do those two, you're okay. So, yeah, drone flying problematic and you actually can't fly in dubai so for anybody who might be listening from dubai i'm going to oman afterwards to muscat and that's where i'll be using the drone 
Okay. Um, but yeah. So, so you're taking a drone with you? That must be what, how many kilograms that's on your luggage? That's well, quite a bit. The, I use the smaller one. So that'll be a Mavic Pro, okay. which is not the tiny one now that's out. But I think, you know, going back to your question, there is, when you come from a traditional broadcasting background to video, you are you tend to be using very large cameras, full frame sensors, big lenses. That doesn't work for the kind of travel that I do, and also, frankly, the budgets and what people want to do. So I really come from, I mean, if I describe myself as, you know, I come from this from a YouTube background, really. So filming things, learning styles, learning tricks uh, that make videos interesting and bringing that to the corporate world. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not using professional cameras. I am, but I'm using small, you know, so kind of mirrorless cameras. So what what cameras are you using? I'm a big Panasonic fan. Right. Uh, So for anybody who's into cameras, I use a GH5. I use a GH5S, which is the low light version. Um, I use a CX350, which is more of a camcorder style. And I also have some Sony cameras as well. What I'm not really using is Canon, uh, which is another big market leader. And the reason for that is that Panasonic, um, I feel, support filmmakers very well. There's, I mean, even yesterday, there was another firmware update for my cameras, which are two years old, uh, bringing a few new features. They are small, so things like Micro Four Thirds, um, which is a, kind of makes the camera a little bit smaller. Um, they shoot 4K, they shoot 10-bit color. Um, so if you know, it's like any piece of technology. You know, I think the menu system on a GH5 has got like 400 different options or something. So you you have to learn with it. But once you get the hang of... I've never succeeded with that. RTFM, I've never done that. <laughs> I'd never read the manual. I'd just be fiddling with no, the No, you watch YouTube. I mean, I, yeah, but I think the, the whole manual thing is like... And also, frankly, some manuals are terrible. I mean, we are, we're in streaming, particularly, we use a lot of Blackmagic design um, gear. And I love Blackmagic design, but anybody who uses it will tell you that they often have problems. Things just don't work out of the box. And where do I go? Well, it's not really the manual. I'll go to YouTube and, you know, some somebody somewhere will have solved it and have the same issue um but yeah that's that's the technology i mean i i would say it's kind of prosumer technology it's not uh it's certainly not consumer yet i mean we were joking about using mobile phones i yeah. do i'm not i'm not anti you know, i noticed oh, you have the iphone 11 pro, pro max yeah i have that i don't have the max i think you've got the big one. Oh, yeah it's my I small think, hands i need yeah. bigger phones <laughs> yeah maybe that's it we've got the same phone i'm just taller than you exactly <laughs> This is radio. They didn't know that till then. Thanks. Um, yes, I mean, it's... For me, it, you know, it's been two years since I'd last had a phone upgrade. Um, it's got three lenses on there, the ultra-wide, normal, and then uh, two times uh, zoom. And yesterday I took it out. So if, um, if you want to see a video where I've used a GH5 and yeah, no. iPhone Pro, if you go on uh, Video Snacks, so again on Instagram, Video Snacks, but with an X. So, so Video Snacks is your new... It's a new channel. It's... Um, We're going to find that as YouTube, Facebook. YouTube, Facebook. Great. Okay. LinkedIn, although we were joking about that. I think that might we'll be We'll be talking about that LinkedIn stuff later, yeah. Um, the idea is it's less than 60 seconds snack-sized video news. So there's text on the screen. It's very much like the BBC do. Um, and we're trying to 
give you some interesting things. So yesterday's video was about a giant Noah's Ark that's arrived in Ipswich in Suffolk. Well, given gla- glacial melting and uh, global warming and sea rises, that's probably the best place for it in Ipswich. Yeah, I can tell you it's pretty big, yeah, quite a cool bar, so I think we'll be all right. It was a bit <laughs> cold, though. That's the only thing. They need a bit of heating in there. Oh, OK. Uh, global warming doesn't always seem to equate to, like, it's warmer, does no. it? No, no, no. Anyway, we're talking about so technology. You, yes, so going back to it, so I, I'm fascinated because you're a professional, you know this stuff. So, uh, you know, obviously the iPhone 11 is meant to be, you know, much, much better for its camera. It's fa- fundamentally the only thing that was new on it was a better camera. Um, but you were comparing it to a professional camera. And what's, because you were in the editing part and you were mm. saying, you know, what's the difference? Well, first of all, if you look at the video, if you do go to uh you know on instagram look at the video you might be hard pressed to see which is which unless you've got a trained eye um but it's things like lower light so in the studio where we are now we've got kind of you know we've got some bright spotlights above you we've got things flashing and then we've also got areas where there's a bit of shadowing as well and a good sensor on a camera is going to show those things up on the iphone it's certainly much better than uh, previous models and I think the only it was probably two phones really that challenge it in that way one is the OnePlus uh, well both are Android phones and the other one's the Google Pixel the, the, the 3a 3 and 4 actually pretty good phones so if you my top tip if you want a cheap phone for taking photos is actually the Pixel 3a which right. is the last generation I think 350 it's all done quid. In software on that one yeah, it's done on software, but the sensor's good as well. The sensor's the same as the more expensive uh, version of the Pixel phone. Okay. So uh, you benefit even though you haven't got the, the bigger phone. Um, with the iPhone, I mean, you're talking about £1,100 for the one mm. I've got, 256 gig of, of storage. I know there is the 64 gig, I think, or 128, so that's £100 cheaper, but it's £1,000 for a phone. What I found, I've taken some absolutely stunning photos with really not much effort. You know, just it's almost what I want, which is I see something, I see the angle, I see a reflection, um, and I can take that photo. But video is a little bit harder. You've got to worry about things like stabilization. In lower light, as I was talking about, what you start to see is little speckles, almost like the old TV, and we call that noise. Confusingly, that's known in the industry as noise, even though I'm not talking about audio. Um, And yeah, you'll see that. So the ultra-wide lens um, doesn't like low light, I'll put it that way. It's not a fast lens in in kind of camera speak. Okay. Um, But... You've got to think where we've come from. So my kind of take on it, and people can disagree with this, is that these latest round of phones are amazing for photography. And frankly, I can find myself in situations where maybe I haven't got my camera and I can just use my phone. But for video, I mean, I do know some BBC journalists who use phones in a kind of rig with a microphone Uh, because journalism, I think, has got now to the point where a lot of people are having to do the filming. You know, there just isn't the money to send a BBC sound guy. And and also, you might not get that story. Be careful. The guy who set this all up, Tim Ashburner, is the head of BBC Sound, I think. Um, Ah. And... uh, he, he and a team are doing loads of stuff. So maybe maybe Tim's team is allowed to do stuff, but maybe journalists aren't. We know when, I mean, 
part of my past is working at BT and they yes. always used to joke that it was bring 10 or bring 12 depending on who you spoke to <laughs> and I think there's some kind of similarity with it's the BBC yeah <laughs> but the BBC I, as well there's always like a sound guy and a camera guy and a producer and then you know if I was working for somebody else it'd be just me and I think how, how does that work but no the world changes um, and I think camera technology in phones is getting much better um i mean it's weird though because yesterday so i'd taken some footage i use an app called filmic pro so if you if you want to get into video on the iphone it's a fantastic app they've also got a photography app called first light which came out last week and is in beta um and you'll see on twitter if you do a search for filmic pro you know people absolutely love it and it it really enables you to use all those little features that I would expect, like ISO or white balance or whatever. I can do that on the phone. But then my next problem was getting those files off my iPhone onto my Mac, and it just would not work for some uh, reason. Because they're too large? or it was Yeah, I think so. Wrong it, format? It was converting it. So right. it was kind of this new H.265 format, uh, which is just the codec, essentially. Um, and it was trying to convert it and then transfer it, but it wasn't particularly telling me what was going on in AirDrop. So I'm kind of pressing the button, you know, good old, like, the equivalent of shouting at yeah. it. You know, like, pressing the button, lots and lots. And it's not really doing anything. And I thought, well, a, this is Apple. Like, it's supposed to be good at this stuff. But B, if that's my experience, you know, I can take some nice video and then I can't get it off the phone to edit it. That's not great. Yeah. So we're still we're still evolving. We're not there yet. Yeah, but it, but what I'm, what I say is for ninety nine percent of the world, apart from you, probably you know most of us are point and click. It's granny and grandma and kids, and it's up onto yeah. Facebook or, or Snapchat, and the quality doesn't have to be anything better than that. Really, that's I mean, and you will see a, a big improvement. I mean, one of the things I, I took my uh, my kids are in their twenties now, but I took my youngest son with me yesterday, and we were just for fun filming this stuff, for video snacks, and he had the camera because he's learning how to do that and i just had my iphone and the the light this was in ipswich harbour was just perfect yesterday uh just before sunset and he's taking a picture and i don't know if you've seen on on when you take a picture with a smartphone you often get this green dot which is the lens flare so if you if you take a picture into the sun right you see like a little green dot i'm sure lots I'm of sure your now lesson, lesson it everywhere now well yeah. if you haven't you're blind no if you haven't um you will now and what i just said to my son look one of the tricks is to just tip tilt your camera and just get that green dot in the sun because it's gone like to um, me if okay. i see a photo i know instantly <coughs> rightly or wrongly i know instantly you took it on a smartphone camera and it's just not it's not quite pro you know so i was like just tilt it and he's like oh never thought of that it's just all these little tricks you know or bend down or look up i mean it's one of the great things about working in a visual creative industry you see so much more instead of you know necessarily just looking at a screen all day you learn to look up what's the weather doing are the clouds today because that would make a great time lapse if it's been raining and it's just stopped what about the reflection in the puddle it's just almost like second nature but i think very often you forget that it isn't for everybody so there's a lot of really cool things that you can do with a smartphone which you will see on my instagram sam we will and um i will be doing that this afternoon um 
So, okay, so in, in summary, you still need the professional kit. We aren't quite there. The, the iPhone 11 is pretty amazing, but it's not amazing enough. You couldn't go to Dubai, let's say, with just your iPhone 11 Max. A, they probably wouldn't give you the job. Hey, I've just turned up with like, my we'll, iPhone 11. We'll give you, you know, we'll give you lunch. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not that. I noticed that yesterday. So filming inside this boat, low light, it, it wasn't... Um, unfortunately good enough um but it did a good job and it, it it you know it's a tool all of these bits of technology are just a tool really um when you compare to what we were using even five years ago in terms of cameras things have come on so much more um and for a similar price point so you know you now you know we're talking about this phone that costs a thousand pounds the body of a gh5 i think Mm, might be thirteen, fourteen hundred. Right. Obviously, you got to buy a lens as well. But if you've already got some lenses because you've invested in that system, you know, I mean, that's that's not far beyond what you might be spending on other things. Certainly, probably less than you, you're spending if you've got a MacBook or a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, so it's not crazy money like it used to be. So give us some, some examples of re- some of your recent work. I mean, one of them is to do with a, a drummer, you were telling me. Yes, this is my passion project. Right. So every time you see me, you have to be like, Ralph, what, is the documentary finished? Where's it shown? Um, it's a bit like your website then. Go on. Yeah. So I've not had a website for three years. That's another one. <laughs> it's okay. I haven't. And, and mine's yeah. going live soon, I keep telling everyone, but I don't you know when soon t- is. You told me in two days' time, so yeah. I think everybody will have to hold you to that. Oh, God. Um, no, I mean, it's one of those things about I guess there is a phrase about if you want something done, ask a busy person, isn't there? I can't quite remember the exact phrase, but um, when you're busy and and you're out there working for clients, you don't think about your own website and things. I have a Vimeo channel, so again, the creative grid with, you know, 500-odd videos that I've made. In terms of content, everything from working with other directors for brands like Jameson, uh, I've made content for Coca-Cola, I've worked on the Champions League, you know, where we've brought influencers and inverted commas you know youtubers with a big following and they're street footballers or there's something to do with football and they've played against um a few players from the first team of manchester united juventus where else have i been real madrid Bayern munich antwerp okay uh, not ipswich town yeah or actually i should i know you're a liverpool fan i am uh, everyone knows that if you play your cards right i'll take you to a mansfield town game which is my team what against liverpool i don't think that will happen it has happened has it has it? happened and flipping <laughs> suarez handballed it to beat them couldn't I... believe it couldn't believe it <laughs> I, I kid you not at that point in time as well half of the mansfield um stands were condemned so they couldn't put any fans in them because they weren't safe but yeah, you only won 2-1. Okay. That was a few years ago. Glory, okay. glory days. Yes. Um, I was the only person in the bar in Ipswich wearing a Mansfield town top, partly because they're not famous like Liverpool, partly because they're in a much lower league, but mainly because at that point in time, if you wanted to buy a Mansfield town top, you had to phone up, which my wife did, and then an old lady took it down the post office and sent it here in the post. <laughs> well, it, it, it wasn't it's e-commerce. Not, I was going to say, it's not high demand. They're not looking for, you know... <laughs> But this was not long ago, Sam. You think it's like I'm talking about 20 years ago. This was like six years ago. Right. But, you know, now we have a new CEO, well, not a new new CEO, but we have a good CEO, a woman uh, in football, um, and a bit of money, so you never know. Watch out for Mansfield Town. They're coming for (laughs) you. Next season. 
next season. I don't think so. Anyway, back to, back to what we were talking about. So, look, you, 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 let's let's uh, do the drummer one first. I'm fascinated because mm. that ends with a really interesting end. And then, and then maybe you can tell me a little bit more about the football one. So, what, what's, what's this drummer documentary that you're doing? Give, give us the background. So, one of the great things about the industry I work in is that most people are freelance. And I've worked, I mean, I'm now in production, but I've also built a company in the past that was a filmmaker network. So, it's effectively people who wanted to enter video competitions for Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Chevrolet, Unilever brands, you know, I mean, you name it, we pretty much, like Ben and Jerry's, we pretty much did it back in the day. And it became very successful. And through that, I was able to meet a lot of really cool people coming coming through really still good i mean actually this morning i went to see a super talented creative guy who lives maybe 10 minutes from here who's been a friend of mine ever since then in marlow sorry (laughs) you thought i was talking about you sam but another one matt (laughs) matt snyman my uh my my friend down the road you Um, said creative and i knew that wasn't me i don't know you've got like a pink jumper on and haven't you yeah i didn't purple (laughs) (laughs) you didn't knit it um so through this network, I end up meeting some filmmakers in America and uh, became good. They were from Seattle, uh, became good friends with this guy. And he um, messaged me one day and said, look, my friend, my former roommate, um, he's coming to London because he plays the drums. Would you take him out for a coffee? And I was like, yeah, no, you know, no problem. Meet him for breakfast, take him out for a coffee. Well, to cut a long story short, Kevin uh, turned out to be the new drummer for a band called Pendulum. And back in the day, Pendulum Prodigy were the two kind of big bands in that genre, uh, which is sort of drum and bass meets rock, really. I don't know quite what you would describe. I better figure this out for the documentary. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, if you uh, don't know, how, how is anyone else going to know? Oh, it's all EDM now, isn't it? Which I, It's a phrase EDM? like e- electronic dance music, which oh. is a phrase I hate because it's, it's Americanized. It should be dance music. Anyway, right. I digress. So I meet this guy... Um, and he doesn't know anybody in the UK. And he just said to me, do you want to come to a gig? And I'm, you know, I'm always busy doing something. I'm not, I don't seem to be quite connected to the popular movement of the day. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, when are you playing? Oh, tonight. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, Wembley Arena. So I end up with like AAA backstage pass, everything. Wow. Wembley Arena as Kevin's like, you know, one mate from England. And then, you know, ended up giving his manager a lift to Cardiff. So they went down and played the Millennium. Yeah, I think it was the Millennium Stadium, but there's okay, also an I arena there. I've never heard of Pendulum. I need to look this up. You do need to. Yeah, I'm sure people will now. <laughs> right. They're one of the best live bands. If I, you, I thought you were going to say something like, you know, Ipswich Pub, you know, in the back room or what, something. That's the Ed Sheeran yeah. story. That's a different story. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so... Anyway, I I end up, like, he's playing in all these amazing uh, places, and the next year they headlined Glastonbury. Um, I think they were famous, I say headline, they were on the pyramid stage, and they were on before Beyonce. Um, So it's on BBC, certainly iPlayer, YouTube, maybe on BBC Sounds. BBC Sound, yeah. Um, And... I got to know Kevin and like, you know, every time he's come to the UK, he'll let me know because I'm one of his friends in the UK. 
and my kids got to go. So there's some really famous, if you're into that genre of music, there's some quite famous things that happen. Like there was a big gig at Warriors, which is, was in, uh, it was called Warriors, sorry, which was in Milton Keynes Bowl. Uh, so it's kind of grassy outdoor space. And again, Prodigy, it features in the documentary that they put out a couple of years ago as the turning point, kind of how they got back together and made more music. I was backstage. I was kind of mixing with all the, you know, with like one of my sons. So it, it gave me access. And I think that's, one of the things about making content is always saying yes to people if you can. Um, I mean, there is a downside to that if you're not Jim getting paid. Jim Carrey found that out. <laughs> yes, man. But anyway, yes. Okay, I thought there was something in his personal life you were going to tell me about. Yeah, um, just it's the granny scene. If you ever see yes, careful, man, Sam. Don't get sued. No, no. W- right. Watch the granny scene with Jim Carrey. Oh, never say yes. Always. But anyway, moving so, on. So I got to know what Kevin's story was, and he was a kitchen fitter in Seattle. And when he was a, a boy, he taught himself to play drums. And at that period, he's a similar age to me, so that period was grunge. He got into drum and bass, as you do. Um, and the more I listened to him, so he put out a YouTube video, which is kind of back to what we've been talking about. And it got the early days of YouTube, maybe 2008, 2009. It got a lot of attention because he can play drum and bass, which is typically anything from 160 beats a minute up. It's very fast. Whether you love it or hate it, it's fast. It's oh, hard. My daughter likes that sort of thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my That's word. such a granddad thing to say. Yeah, it is. Anyway, it is. Yes, get knitting your jumper now. <laughs> um, anyway, he can play it live. Uh, which most of it is done by a drum machine. So it's kind of, it's a bit mental, like, you know, to watch him doing it. And he can do it for quite a long period of time. So this video went viral in inverted commas back in the day. And there ended up being a bidding war between different bands in that genre and Pendulum brought him in to play the drums. So in a space of a couple of years, he's gone from fitting kitchens to headlining Glastonbury. Wow. And it's that kind of story that this is about but i i don't want to steal all my thunder for when i do finally finish the edit but it also involves the drummer from woodstock a guy called michael shreve who played for so 1969 um uh, you know uh, what was it new york state woodstock yeah a lot of people you were there i wasn't i i was not there so <laughs> And I think you were around, weren't you? Uh, just, just, yeah, just. No, not me. I think you were. Um, anyway, let's not play the age game. We're both old. Um, but yeah, so there is this guy who gave possibly the best drum solo of all time. Now, I'll be honest, drumming to me is not my natural. Like, I'm not obsessed with drumming. Um, but the more people that I met, this guy who'd given one of the best drum solos of all time, Michael Shreve, ends up being a huge KJ Sorker, Kevin, my my friend, he's a huge fan. And in the interview, you see, I basically think that this older guy, Michael Shreve, is Kevin's mentor. It turns out to be the other way around. Oh, really? And it's like a real kind of gotcha moment. So, you know, if you liked Whiplash, the film, which is actually more about mental abuse than anything else, it's not about mental abuse, but it is a really good story. And I follow him around as well. So I end up backstage at a festival in... Um, America called Lost Lands, which is a dinosaur-themed steampunk EDM kind of 
festival. I see you nodding at me, but you've no idea what the words I just said to you. Um, It's basically a bit out there, a bit Mad Max. Um, And I end up behind this superstar DJ who's got like an amazing following. Right. Um, People like Marshmallow, who we filmed backstage in London, which is another superstar DJ. So when you're just proving your cool. And that's, but the, the point for me is yes, it's my friend, but there's enough twists and turns in this story for it to be interesting. Um, and it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. So it's a little bit like your website uh, or my <laughs> website. I have to sit down and just finish it and yeah. get it out there. I was going to say, give us a date. Come on, commit. Well, I want to hit all the film festivals in the the coming period so probably by the end of january i have to finish it i've got a trailer um and obviously you know the dream for instance is to get it onto netflix amazon apple i mean any any kind of confirmation this is a good story and and something different um is is what you're looking for because that is a genre now i mean i you know you got man city last Mm. couple of years um they did they wanted Liverpool to do it, but they wouldn't do it. Um, so that, th- these documentaries... I couldn't understand people from Liverpool, Sam. That's probably... That's probably it. Or they travel. the cameras. <laughs> Although my, my, one of my best friends, Mike, is from Liverpool. Yeah. So if he ever hears this, I'll get slapped. <laughs> and rightly so. Um, um, so, yeah, th- that is a thing. But, okay, so roughly, you think you might get it out when? Go on, commit to something. So what the normal process is, you you finish it, you submit it to some festivals so that it gets seen, and then you try and sell it at what's called a film market. So there's quite a big one in Cannes, which is in March, April time. Or you go direct to distributors and to commissioners. So if you, for instance, if you take Netflix as uh, as a channel, you can't make content for Netflix unless you've already made content for Netflix, which is a little bit self defeating. How do you break that? Mold. You have to find somebody who has done that, who in some way can bring you into the fold. Okay. Or they see you at a film market and they make you an offer. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, I'm quite lucky. I can shoot, I can edit, I can produce, I can think about the final product, and I can direct other people as well, which I've all of which I've learnt over the years, and not all at the same time. So, you know, I learned editing first, and then I'd think, well, I don't really like some of these shots. How can I do that better? Um, but for a lot of people, they haven't got the money, the, the the funding, or the skills to do everything that you need to do. And even then, I've still got to deal with, for instance, licensing. So if I want to play a Pendulum track, I need the help of Pendulum fundamentally, or I need to do a deal. If I want to license some footage of Woodstock, I have to pay for that. So there's quite a high barrier of entry, um, which is why you see a lot of people's early work will be much kind of rougher around the edges and probably much more simple. But this is a story that I really want to tell. And I I think, you know, if you ask me what's my favourite genre... I'm good at telling other people's stories like you. I'm good at talking about stuff or getting them to talk. But I love nature, and I think that's that's also a kind of classic cameraman type. I mean, the number of camera guys... I say cameraman, camera operator. I should yeah. be more with it. Um, the number of people that I've worked with who are behind a camera, who cover football, for instance, who don't like football and would love to work on a David Attenborough... Ep- just one episode ever right. in my life... Uh, I'm probably similar. That that it's just visual, and it's you know. I mean, David Attenborough kind of set the bar very high as well. Um, 
but for me right now it's just about learning new things how does that industry work it's back to your you describe yourself as a polymath yeah. i say i've got slight adhd um but i just think i just get have a low attention span is what i really have yeah. polymath is just a nice way of saying i get bored quickly so i'm going to move to another subject that's pretty much what i read it as but anyway yeah. you know it's for other people yeah. um but yeah, I, I just want to, how, how do you make a documentary? How, how much do you get paid for that? I mean, I kind of know. Um, and how do I get it out there? Will anybody see it? Will somebody leave me a review that says, oh, I quite enjoyed that? That's it. Okay, so you, you haven't committed to a time. Um, <laughs> I said January, end of January. <laughs> um, so you've produced hundreds of videos and stuff yep. like that. What's, who's your, who's your favourite client? Who, who, who do you enjoy most? Or, or maybe they weren't your favourite client, but what was your favourite output? God, is that, that is a good one. I mean, there's, there's the projects that were very high pressure, but actually quite short and sharp and, and you know, had a big impact. I mean, in the early days, we worked on a, a project with Jameson where we took five uh, directors that I really liked from within my network, and we put them with five leading bartenders. This was on the London scene, men and women. And we just said, get in a room, you've got a budget of, I think it was £5,000, um, let's make a short film. And some of that content, actually Matt uh, down the road made one, which was uh, with, so if anybody knows the distillery, which is in Notting Hill, uh, it's kind of famous for gin. There's also Portobello gin. This is a guy called Jake Berger, who's behind it. Matt Snyman down the road here, so a local filmmaker, made a film which was very kind of green screen CGI effect heavy and it's cocktail ingredients invading London and Jack, uh, kind of Jake, sorry, kind of saves the day. But another one was a film noir, so very kind of 1930s black and white uh, set at the Hawksmoor uh, with a couple who are cocktail historians. And actually Jared, who was... The male half of the couple is one of the founders of Sipsmith. So if you like Sipsmith gin, and that's still one of the most watched videos, arty videos anyway, that I've made. It was a lady called Tamara Rosenfeld who works on Chef's Table on Netflix now. Um, and then you have kind of the influencer stuff. So I've very often been brought in to professionalize the camera work and the editing for influencer videos. And that's changed because more and more influencers actually employ their own uh, camera person and editor and, you know, kind of up their game. Uh, but that was the Champions League stuff, but also Pepsi, Max Unbelievable, which is still one of the most watched videos in the UK on YouTube. I think it's up to 20 million now. Now, for that, we were doing kind of more of the social content behind the scenes. We weren't doing the actual video. Uh, we were involved with another agency in Shoreditch. But that was like the second project we ever did. Um, so there's been some stuff that's had a huge impact. Um, but in terms of what I like, I think it's I think it's people that perhaps are heroes that you just want to listen to their story. Their so, for instance, Ranulph Fiennes. I ended up spending half an hour with a camera talking to him at the Royal Geographical Society, which nice. wasn't planned. Wow. Has never been put out, by the way. I should actually do something. I've got that footage. <laughs> um, yes, please. And who's the other? The guy who climbed Everest, Chris... Bonham. Yes. Um, so I interviewed him as well. Similar thing. You, you often meet people, um, again, just doing events, just because you're helping out, or, you know, you don't even expect it to happen, and they reveal all these amazing stories what was what was the biggest change in your life what was the difficult thing that you went through it's interesting 
Yeah, I mean, it's part of why I love doing this show, because I hear people's stories. Okay, so we, we've, we've looked at what you've been doing today with Creative Grid and amazing videos and documentaries that you've made. How do people find you? I mean, clearly you haven't got a website like me. <laughs> and, um, I mean, but you're, radio, you're, you're no. super busy and you're around the world and you're doing all this. How, how do people connect with you? Is it word of mouth? Is that? Yeah, I mean, in... In my industry, word of mouth is huge. I think if you make a decision, so my decision, having done tech startups, I've been in the corporate world. I used to work in telecoms research, so BT Labs. Um, I've even worked in the nuclear industry. That was a year out of university. Size will be. Um, you, for me, this is about my family. It's obviously about earning a living doing something that I love. It was about learning new skills and still is. You're always learning something. I mean, most recently it's been about live streaming for the past couple of years. So this last summer I live streamed Jack Dorsey, for instance, the CEO of Twitter and Square. Um, I've live streamed in some pretty far-flung places like Kigali, Rwanda, Moscow, Russia. Um, and you've got to solve those problems. But in terms of how people find me, it has been word of mouth. But I think moving to how video can be useful for your listeners and for businesses locally, that's me being a bit lazy, to be honest. Like I, I have to put a website up and think about digital marketing because I'm fundamental. I mean, I know that, I mean, I've built a huge community online and we sold it. Um, so I know how to do digital marketing as much as anybody does. It's a bit like saying, you know, SEO, search engine optimization, yeah. it changes. Um, but yeah, it, it, my work comes from somebody saying, oh, Ralph's good. Give him a ring. Um, I mean, I'd love to say that social media really, I don't know that it makes that much. It, it reminds your clients that you exist, I think. Um I'm not convinced that I've really... I, th I think I did get one job through Twitter, which is one of my, actually one of my favourites. I ended up back in the Peak District, which is obviously been a Mansfield town fan. That's near where I'm from. And I filmed an event called Eroica Britannia. Um, and there is a, there's a reason I'm telling you this. It's a funny okay. story. Um, so Eroica Britannia... Eroica means hero in Italian. And it's basically a load of people dress up in vintage clothing and ride old bikes around the Peak District. And then there's a festival. And it's very... Even though it's Italian, the idea, and it you know, comes from northern Italy somewhere, the franchise, if you like, in Britain is very British. It's a bit mad. There's a, there's a prize for, like, the best-dressed dog. and That's it, just, very British, Just yes. random things. So yep. we went up there and filmed in 2015, I think it was. I spent five days. I love the Peak District. I love walking. Um, you know, it's my home territory, if you like. They all speak like they, you know, their accent is like my grandma's um, was. And it's, it, it, it's just lovely. So I had a great time. Of course, it rained, tipped it down. We ended up at Chatsworth House, if you've ever been there. I flew a drone over it, got told off. You know, it's a kind of theme That's to fine, me with drones. Just get told off. Yeah. Ask, ask permission after. Well, I got the footage. Um, but anyway, I made this video and it ended up being used by the Great campaign, which is uh, UK tourism. So when you see, you know, Great, um, it's kind of countryside is great was the one that we had. But you see engineering is great. You see it at the airports a lot. They're trying to promote 
So that was kind of nice that they saw our video and did that. But there were a couple of shots that I had to go back to do because it was raining. The weather was miserable. So I go back and there's a there's quite a famous village called Eam, not Eam, Eam, if you're a local. And it's the plague village in the Peak District. So as kids, we would be taken there. There's this story from the 1600s that the plague came from London on, you know, the cloth or whatever that they imported and they made a decision that they were not going to leave the village and a lot of them died but the plague didn't spread so they kind of they martyred themselves they martyred themselves yeah and it and it's a big tourist thing and just above the village there's a lovely pub and i went in there and they're serving beer from mansfield although it's not the actual because they shut the brewery it's just a fake Anyway, but let's not go there. Sorry, they closed Marlow Brewery as well, so, you know. I can't believe it. What people do. But we do have rebellion now, so okay. What, full-on rebellion? Is this like rebellion against the... the, No, 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 it's it's (laughs) a local brew now. So they've started... They closed the famous Marlow Brewery down. It's now flats as usual. But they opened up a rebellion brewery, which is lovely. Ah, good. Yeah. Well, at least you've got something. Whereas in Mansfield... I mean, I I haven't lived in Mansfield since I was a, a... teenager basically but um you can buy a pint in mansfield but it is not the mansfield from the past anyway i've got my pint in mansfield i've got my steak and ale pie um and the barmaid is saying to me in an accent that is just like my grandma she's like all right love um what are you doing here i said oh i've um i've been filming at the festival last week you might have seen it you know royka britannia and as loud as anything to the whole bar she she goes you what erotica <laughs> Round here, <laughs> and all because you know all the old blokes with the flat cap and the you know whip oh, it like what spill a pint. What's, go- what's going on there? Oh, no, no, not erotica. No, the one about the cycling. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about that. No, don't know anything about. And it's just like this is brilliant. This is real life. I mean, in that part of the world, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is real life. And what a privilege to be able to go there and film and get paid. Not bad. Not bad. So. um what I want to do now is, is move back a little bit in time. Um, before we, because we, we're going to go fast forward to the future and we're going to start talking about TikTok and streaming services and the differences, but we'll do that after the news. But I, you and I first met weirdly when I was consulting at BT and you and I had been to a labs which you organised over in Ipswich, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go from the person I first knew who was doing mobile phones for BET and then director of communications to what you do today. I mean, are you self-taught? I mean, how did you trans- transpire to move from one to the other? I mean, it's it's a bit of grey hair and age, I think, mixed in there. But um, yeah, I am completely self-taught. And, and actually, so when you first met me, I'd... I'd spent five years at BT Labs running research groups into the web because in the mid to late 90s, that was still very new. I think the web was invented in 93, wasn't it, by yeah. Tim, Tim Berners-Lee? Sir Tim, yep. I, I got involved in like 96, early days of Java, um, if you're into programming, and I actually worked with Sir Tim Berners-Lee because BT was sponsoring some of the standards and things. So some of the technology that you use when you're using a web browser, BT was actually involved in, in that, uh, along with other people. And it was a small community. Um, and you kind of go from that to working in a big corporate uh, I had a great time. I have to say my time at BT Labs, I think that was the golden era. There was a, if you remember, there was a dot-com boom around about 2000. Yeah, I mean, I was, a, I, I was Netscape's marketing director for a while. Oh, 
Well, you were in, I can remember just before Netscape, Spry Mosaic, things like that. Yes, but, well, yes. Uh, but Netscape was the, the daddy, wasn't it? Was the communicator. Of, yes. A navigator, yes. Yeah. I mean, they were, yeah, it was, it was great times. And I mean, programming the web was a bit dire, to be honest, especially having come from a more Microsoft background when I'd worked uh, at Sizal B. So I wrote a lot of software. It's a bit like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the cartoon character where he's that Homer's dad, isn't it? Is it? Or is it Homer who works at a nuclear power station? No. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I can see him now. It's the guy with the big nose, yeah. Yeah. yeah a, I can't think of well, it. I don't, I'm not a massive Simpson fan. I think it's in proportion, my nose. Can't see that. Face for radio. Exactly. Um, But I'd I'd come from that background, so I'd written a lot of software for the nuclear industry, which was whilst I was a student. And again, I was self-taught. I started coding at 11, uh, things like the ZX Spectrum, um, and then I'd evolved into Microsoft-based technologies because the support was there. I used to buy these massive, thick books to kind of learn how to code and, and why I didn't understand things, which is much different to now because we do have YouTube and blogs and, you know, code sharing. Yeah. I mean, the idea of sharing code was, like, pretty radical back then. I can remember proposing it at BT Labs to some of my colleagues, and they just looked at me like I was trying to steal something, you know. They're trying to steal my ideas. Well, Microsoft this week actually took all of the hub and they've buried it in a cave in norway oh just in case we have a nuclear war and a fallout they reckon that all the code will be kept in nice and safe so we'll still have all the bugs that are in windows absolutely after nuclear war fantastic um anyway self-taught is if you've got a lot of time on your hands and you are Perhaps, I don't know, I mean, people learn in different ways, don't they? I think there is much more available to us now. There's much more online learning. Um, I think it's about understanding your own style. But for me, it's about trying to build something, failing, figuring out why I don't know, why that's not working. Um, And that's the same with camera technology, with editing in Premiere or Final Cut, as it is to to writing code or building a WordPress. And are website. you good at learning? I mean, are you quick to take stuff up? Are you, you know, <laughs> what, are you a natural? Because there are people who are natural coders who, you know, they they like looking at squiggly brackets and looking for missing uh, semicolons because their code doesn't work because of one minor mistake. Or are you a? I think I would have said some of the stuff. The best things that I wrote and and had the biggest impact looking at my career were things that did um, a job for people that really needed doing. I'm very good at simplifying and seeing the user interface, uh, which is again, a visual thing and taking away the clutter. I've always been good at that. Um, but I have also, I mean, I've done some things like hackathons and, you know, I had a, a business called app challenge, which was running competitions for coders. Um, and I worked with a German guy, had to be German, who was just amazing. Like, literally would open up Notepad and right from scratch be like, right, you need to download this from the internet. This is JavaScript, right? Now you need to include this library. And you do that. And didn't make a single mistake. I, wow. I did like an hour's YouTube webinar with him. He made no mistakes. And I was just like... You know, if that was me, I would have made about 20 mistakes, had to go back, find the bugs, you know. So, yes and no. I think also as you get older, um, I do I do think there's some truth to this. Uh, age, so I'm in my 40s because I don't think we've, we've said that. Um, I feel like I am more empathetic and I know more about people and I can see issues with people, like, for instance, on a film crew. Um, 
but in terms of learning, it seems a little bit harder than it was <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, are you a visual learner? Because I mean, you talk about YouTube. Practical I, and visual, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I prefer to do that. So, okay, so BT was that part. Um, mm. you, you then moved on to doing some work at Sundance, the film festival, I remember. Yeah, so I, I left. I had a great time at BT. I ended up doing marketing communications um, and... Uh, I decided that the corporate world, I'd, I'd actually done a startup. So I raised $10 million from SoftBank, who are quite famous now in Japan. For so, wasting money, yeah. Uh, well, they kind of did on us as well, yeah. if I'm totally honest. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was a networking startup and you learn a lot, good and bad. Um, and then I went, tried to go back to BT, but in a different role, kind of consulting and much more marketing and communications around the start of the fiber rollout that we've got going on now. So that was 2000 and three and we're doing it now um and i decided just once you've been disconnected from the corporate world it's very hard to go back to the politics i mean i'm not dissing it you know a lot of people there are people who like it yeah it wasn't for me and i left and the first literally i was at a dinner in london as you do and some guy saying we want to put mobile phones on we didn't actually speak with a yorkshire accent but (laughs) we want to put mobile films on mobile phones and um i just said oh i can do that i had no idea what i was doing um and the rest is history it was robert redford with sundance was actually the client who i met and worked with wow and it was mobile world congress brilliant so um Okay, we're going to go up to the news now. Um, when we come back, I want to find out how you put this Blen and Palace event on that we talked about. Uh, and then I really want to get into where you see video going next. We, yep. we, you know, uh, TikTok's gone massive recently, um, uh, but also Snapchat and all the other stuff that's going on. I think what we want to understand is, is this now the future? Because they're saying the amount of time people watch tv is diminished rapidly because video on demand means you 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 know binge watch whereas you know and and snacks i mean having a company called video snacks is perfect really because that's what people do they've got the attention span of a gnat really yeah and they very watch you know i i can't do i can't imagine sitting there doing tiktok but but i'm of the wrong generation i guess yeah um well maybe knitting jumpers tiktok have you thought about it that's <clears throat> new style new style i'm, I'm looking forward to anyway uh when we come back uh we'll be talking to ralph cochran my guest you're listening to sam sethi on marlow fm got a face for radio it's in your eyes a color fade out looks like a new transition the starting up and shaking your ground turning
There you go. I thought I'd give you a little bit of pendulum. You've actually heard pendulum now. I'd, I'd tell you what, I would love if any of your listeners actually know that track or Hang know pendulum. No, no one's going to know that. <laughs> you must tweet at Marlow FM <laughs> if you actually have heard a pendulum. And yes. they did play the Reading Festival a few times, so right, okay. you should. Okay. <sighs> no, nothing so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or you can send Sam a knitting pattern for his uh, next yeah, jumper. Please do. Or, uh, you know, knit, knit one, sew one, whatever you Actually, do. That, that's the thing. When I first met you, you had a, a like a networking thing called Flowery... Flowery Tweet-Up. Yeah. I've still got my and flowery you, shirts. And on. you wore all these ridiculous shirts and you oh, still... I still do. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, me and Stuart Townsend, it was great. I think... We, the best one we ever did, I think you did something similar. We hired a Leicester Square cinema and invited 200 friends to come and watch the film The Social Network. And you had to turn up in a flowery item to get in. It was wonderful. I think I, I remember, I don't think I went because, unfortunately, I mean, I won't go into detail, but we went just at the like start. Of, no, no, I did. <laughs> we, we went, we went at the startup that I worked at at the time we went to watch the social network yeah. but our sociopath CEO decided it was a really good idea because the central theme to the story is kind of one of the founders got screwed by diluting his shares and that's what happened to me yes. and another co-founder at that startup so yeah social network um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up I'm just going to go <laughs> weep in the corner thanks for that it's alright you'll be in my new book Snakes and Ladders so we'll, we'll, we'll have what that was a snake <clears throat> Yeah, so the new book is all about life, really, where, where we go along and we meet our ladders who help us along and we meet our snakes. So I'll get you to write Thank your you chapter and you can get your revenge Slip, on him. Slippery Cochrane. Here we go. Yes. Um, so um, we were talking about you. We were talking about Creative Grid. That's your current company. You're a video documentary producer, self-taught, and uh, you were in BT when I first met you. Um, you went from communications and BT Lab to starting to do video on mobile which is mm, where you sort of mm. you've evacuated bt to do your own thing um one of the things i didn't know a friend of mine stuart townsend the guy i did the flowery tweet up with invited me to an event in blenheim palace to go backstage at blenheim palace which is very posh um and meet scott mcneely privately and have dinner and all that stuff but you put the whole event on i didn't yeah, know that. Was my event yeah so how did you come to put that event on from okay let's talk about the fact that i remember you put on events at bt which is where we first met to how did you get to put on an event at blenheim palace of all places well i think there was a very forward thinking cio so chief information officer at bt called phil dance at the time he's long since retired so i, I worked for two amazing bosses at bt one was peter cochran who's no relation to me yeah was the chief scientist i mean even but you just call him dad anyway i just call him well i think people <laughs> thought he was my dad so i probably got a couple of promotions out of it uh, or maybe i didn't maybe i was getting, <laughs> yeah, you can get back. <laughs> i've no, never really no thought about nepotism. that he We're used to go around that. and say things like so th to us he was like you know this kind of godlike figure you'd be scared when he sat on your desk which he inevitably did because i was the only one with the same surname and then he would go around saying to people yeah my granddad was prolific and then just look at me and it took me about two months to realize he was calling me a uh, you know illegitimate so he's like oh i swear i was just like oi what are you on about but anyway i had two great bosses at bt so he was the chief scientist and another one another guy was called phil downs who was east end london fantastic man of the people i've never seen somebody able two of your to ladders command. then two of my ladders, able to deal with irate people, engineers, people frustrated with change. He would just go and stand in the middle and like buy bacon sandwiches and talk to people. He was fantastic. And 
when I came to wanting to leave BT, so I, I, through no other, re- I hadn't like got annoyed with it. I'm still very fond of BT. I've still got a fair amount of pension with BT. Lucky or you. Or will have, hopefully. Um, it's the political season. I can't mention anything. So I can't mention what Labour might do to BT. Um, yeah, let's... Let's move on. Let's not Before do that. Come, I mean, me I, I absolutely trust the other side, you know, who've not lied at all, have yes. they, in any of this. Uh, and I've got a blue microphone for some reason. I mean, the irony of that. <laughs> um, but uh, having said that, Mansfield went conservative at the last election after 114 years no, of being Labour. You fine. could put a donkey in in red. And now, I mean, what's going on? The world's gone mad. Um, so I think... I think, yeah, the, the, I've lost the thread of what we're talking about. Blenheim. They, so my ex-boss said to me, um, we're struggling to talk to... Um, oh, lovely, thank you. Nice cup of tea has arrived. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, see, everybody will go and put the kettle on now. Yeah. Um, we, he basically said to me, look, I know you're leaving. You've done a great job for me. We've got a problem talking to senior customers. We, you know, they're either um, buying broadband from us um, and basically, can you think about putting an event on that will bring the leading lights of technology together, all the people that you might know from your time at BT Labs, BT Research? Sorry, can you repeat that? The leading lights of technology? Yeah. And I got invited. Well, you got invited by your mate. You were the plus one, weren't you? In <laughs> <laughs> your, li- your little shirt. In my shirt. I had, well, they, they always say you have to invite one ethnic. So anyway, just to I get... I didn't the, think about that. Yeah, that was the only I did. I did genuinely think they meant people from Leicestershire as well when they well, said ethnic. So, true. you know, or minority or minority. something. Like, not yeah. not from the true north. Oh, okay. Just kind of somewhere... Well, what north. do you call that Leicestershire? Is it like home counties or... East Midlands. East Midlands. Oh, yeah. same. Okay. Um, anyway, localised <laughs> joke that will yes. mean... Nothing to people from this part of the world. No. Um, so anyway, yeah, we, we put on an event which was, first of all, at BT Labs. And the idea there, for me at least, I'd, I'd been there for a while. I'd met incredible people. You know, the guy that came up with blown fibre, piping fibre through ducts, which is now used like uh, gas pressure. <laughs> don't, don't look at me like that. You use gas pressure to send the optical fibre through the the ducks right that's a guy called mick reeve he sat in my office for I've years very odd images but moving on yeah, there's nothing dodgy about it i mean yes. there could be um anyway he sat in my office for years and it was only when a bbc crew turned up that i was looking after and we were going to film how the uk we, we led the way in fiber optic in the 70s and 80s and then famously our government decided not to roll it out now it's a little bit unfair because we weren't all using the web and the internet so really we're talking about telephones and making calls but the big reason that happened one they wanted to see increased competition from companies like mercury and and others uh, back in the day if you remember remember them and the second reason was they realized if they replaced all the copper it's going to cost money but fiber optic because it's glass essentially, you don't need as many people. So you're going to end up with another union problem. Those are the two big reasons that that decision was made, I think, in 89 to not continue with it. So it's all this history at BT Labs. And back to Mick Reeve, I didn't even know that this is the guy who's invented something that is used ev- around the world. Everybody does this, this kind of technique. He sat in my office, spluttering away, for like years on end and then the BBC crew came, came in and we were like oh yeah we're looking for such a you know uh, a bit of ducting or something he's like oh yeah, yeah I can show you and then I'm just stood talking to him in the drizzle in the rain of Ipswich he's like yeah, yeah, yeah that's my name on the patent yeah I'm like, sorry, sorry what Mick what 
And the whole place was full of people like that, just really inspirational. Super smart. Yeah, and engineers. Yeah, yeah. Problem solvers. So I wanted to give something back, and I said, look, you know, if we make some money from this, we'll put on a staff party, and we had a big casino night, blues band played, because I know you like your soul music. Um, and... It was really successful. Thankfully, we didn't get shot down in flames. We didn't break anything. And so the next year, they were like, okay, what are you going to do? And my mate, so it's just two of us doing this, uh, said, uh, I think we'll do Blenheim. He was obviously from a slightly better background than me. <laughs> and uh, because I was like, sorry, what? Um, and off we go to Blenheim to figure out how to hire the Great Hall and the Long Library. And uh, there's no, or at least then, there was no kitchen facilities. So we had to have a load of tents out the back and outside catering. Don't spoil the illusion. Uh, no, I, I, mean, I had no idea how the food were. I right. actually found the photos the other day. I have to send you some photos. So, uh, yeah, that whole thing, I do remember the doors. Are open. There's a um, memorial, I think, to Churchill. No, it's not just you know. It's it's uh, not Waterloo. What was the other famous battle? No, it is Waterloo. It is Waterloo that I'm thinking. It's okay. the Duke of Marlborough. Yeah, won on his own, evidently. Yeah. Um, a battle. So there's there, yeah. there's, a, there's something in the distance. Yes. at Blenheim, and I remember it's sunset and those doors open. Um, probably not long. I tell after you what, we should ask Angie. She seems to know everything. She does. Yeah, she knows She's who very... Mr. Burns was. Yeah, yeah, that was the one we couldn't get. Yes. So, Angie, if you can look up who, who the uh, <laughs> statue is at Blenheim, we'd, we'd appreciate Pretty it. Pretty certain that's... But anyway, let's... We'll probably find out it's a First World War memorial or yeah. whatever it is. Anyway, anyway moving the sunset on. Yes. and the doors opening, and I just remember thinking, flipping heck, like, you know, we've just brought these people together. It's about networking. It was about people who were thinkers, people who were good souls, really, which is, I think, why you were invited. Oh, really, thank you. So. Had one redeeming um, feature. And I also remember it as the most expensive dinner I've ever paid for. That was £90,000. <laughs> oh. For what meal? Ouch. I mean, it was all right, I think, wasn't it? Do you remember the food? Probably not. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was bloody. And the next year we went to Goodwood, and a shout-out for Goodwood, I'm sure it's still the same, one of the best places I've ever run an right. event. Um, and the Earl of March, uh, Charlie, who uh, owns Goodwood, came and gave a talk, which was absolutely hilarious. He's into photography, um, obviously cars. I mean, it's it, it just great memories. And then, unfortunately, the financial crisis came, um, and I think we made the decision to stop running that event because we knew that things had changed. Um, so I haven't run an event since, actually. Maybe well, I should. I, I'd just like to say officially now, thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Didn't know it was you, Pleasure. but thank you very much. Um, okay, well, look, we're fast running out of time. This always happens. Um, do you want to talk about video? We do. Video. Let's get back to that, because that's much more exciting. Yeah. <clears throat> so video itself today, where do you think it's going? Th th there are two two streams I want to try and cover. One is the mobile video, YouTube, TikTok world, mm. and, and then the attention span of a nap that most of us have. You know, is this is it sustainable? Is this the way it's going to go? And then on-demand streaming type services like Disney Plus and Apple, you know, what's going on in that world? Where do you see video going? What, what, what's in your horizon? Well, I think there's never been a better time to be involved with video. So, if, you know, there are people out there listening, thinking, I'd like to get into this industry. It's a tough industry. It's certainly harder than coding, for instance, um, because it's very freelance-based. It's very project-to-project. 
project and you've got to be good um, or you've got to offer a solution. So you've got to be pretty good and offer a solution to somebody's problem. Um, but that being said, we're now in a world where Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Disney have all got streaming services. They're all putting a lot of money into making content. Not all of that is happening here, obviously, but some of it is happening not far from here. And there's a chance you can get involved in that. I mean, in the little Suffolk village that I have lived in for many years, the stunts company that does stunts for James Bond and uh, I think EastEnders recently, there was a car crash. That's where they're based. So anything's possible. And I think if you if you look at that side of the business, the money, the production value, you know, back in the day, it would have been going to BBC, possibly ITV, and try, for, for instance, my documentary and trying to get funding, it, it probably wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, it's a very narrow window. I think the BBC, I think, to be honest, all broadcasters here are brilliant. You know, you look at some of the content that's come out of here, whether it's Fleabag on BBC. Which I love, yeah. Or, um, you know, I mean, I've, I can't even remember what I, I was watching one recently. I'm trying to think what it's called, but it was a three episodes where it's just in the interview room at a police station. And it's, they're trying to figure, you you are trying to figure out, did he do it or didn't he? It's brilliant. Um, again, British, I'm sure somebody will tweet you or ring you. Or will you, I just or ask Angie? Or will I ask Angie? Um, so, you know, th- th- there's so much great content out there. Then you've also got the kind of user-generated content side of it which is so for those of you who don't know tiktok it's an app actually chinese app um, that allows you to make short videos i mean there's one this week that's gordon ramsay with his daughter um and she's 16 i think she's done some there's some kind of life event that they're going out for dinner and they kind of jump in the air and when they land they're all dolled up in their you know fancy clothes her in a gold dress and him all kind of done up nicely and that's it so a short bit of video tends to have a bit of fun or it might be a meme um you know which is a kind of um how to explain a meme um taking the mickey out of a something cultural, that, a cultural reference yeah, yeah commonly happens you know like when people you sometimes see people respond on social media instead of writing a word uh, criminal, yeah, that was the name of the TV series. Angie's brilliant. <laughs> she's great. She's um, next door. She's coming up with afternoon gold shortly. <laughs> Tell you if you have an art question that you need, forget afternoon gold. Just ask Angie. She'll yeah. come up. She'll come up with the answer for you. Anyway, so criminals. Criminals really. I think it's criminals. on Netflix. Thank Look you, it Angie. Up. Criminal. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Um, so the user generated side, yeah, it's back to the devices that we've got. But people are also making apps that we're interested in. Um, I think a lot of people now probably use Instagram. It's the question I've got is if you're producing video and you want to reach the largest audience, are you having to do it musically, Snapchat, Facebook stories, Instagram stories, Instagram video, Twitter video? Mm. I mean, well, it's you're talking, just I mean, all over I mean, my, the place. my clients tend to be corporate. So, you know, you've also got advertisers, for instance. So we yeah. have made, I mean, I've made adverts for fashion brands in London, for instance. I think that's slightly different to the majority of the work that I'm doing or a news organization. What they're doing is understanding where their audience is. So step one, where is your audience? Because they're not all the same. Uh, YouTube, for instance, is very much about self-help, camera comparisons for me, technical thing, how to use perhaps Adobe Illustrator or Photoshop. YouTube's great for that. 
Um, if you want to connect with business customers for networking, like you might do for your book, maybe that's LinkedIn. So there is a step which is on you, which is like which of these tools is actually useful. Yeah, which of these platforms is your audience on? And also some of it is understanding where your audience is at a moment in time. So if you're at an event, so corporate events is a big part of my world, live streaming or whatever, once the event's finished, it's been and gone. Yes, people are interested in, can I get the slides and the video from Sam Sethi talking about snakes and ladders? But it's far better to try and put something out whilst you're talking, or maybe all of them, you know, just before you talk, whilst you're talking, and after different things for different times so i think tiktok does have a role to play i mean to be honest anybody above the age of probably 25 isn't going to be downloading snapchat or tiktok i do sound a bit like dominic Raab earlier on radio four where it's like oh social media makes no difference to this election and i'm like well, don't think so maybe for some voters but i definitely do check twitter but yeah you know maybe i'm in a minority of one i don't know um so i think that there, there are tools for different things. Maybe that TikTok video like Gordon Ramsay, I actually saw it on a blog, I think. Um, so you can obviously download that video and do something with it. The point of all this is you've got the tools. So it's not just take a photo, take a video. It's put a filter on it or change the colours or crop it a little bit. Or in the case of Gordon Ramsay, kind of do this transition between normal clothes and fancy clothes. That's what these tools enable you to do. And they're easy enough now for most people to do them with. That's the a good bit of thing. fun as well, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I, so do you, do you see that, you know, one of the things I read about this week was the diminishing role of TV within all of this, which is strange because that's a video format. But yeah. people are watching less and less live TV. So you're talking about live broadcasting, but they're watching less live TV. Um, they're binge watching their, you know, so like... Well, why, why wouldn't you though, Sam? I mean, I mean anybody who... <clears throat> what have I watched recently? Jack Ryan on Amazon. Yeah. So we are talking about this at lunch. I, I actually have Amazon Prime because I want the next day delivery. I, th I somehow think that's really important to my life, that things can't be two days away, they must be tomorrow. But anyway, I'm paying my seven ninety nine a month, and I get this TV stuff with it. Um, and Jack Ryan is, you know, I mean, it's harmless. Well, I say it's harmless, there's a lot of killing in it. Um, but it's kind of this CIA guy. Cleanback TV. He's statistic nerd, isn't he? Yeah. Who's he married to? Emily Blunt. In real uh, life, yes. In real life, yes. yes not in the... In, in the uh, and, you know, it's harmless, yeah. It's a little bit like Mission Impossible type stuff. I can put that on. I can, I don't know, doing the ironing, doing the cooking, whatever I'm doing, I can watch two or three You're episodes. You're so woke, aren't you? Ironing I, and cooking. That was very good. I've always been like that, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the cooking's beans on toast. No, it isn't. Leek and potato soup. Ah, you know, there good we go. Northern staple. Right, so um, yeah, Jack Ryan. Anyway. But Jack Ryan, I could be watching that. I can watch two or three of them. And do you know what I've noticed? There's no flipping adverts. Because actually... I don't really want to watch the adverts. I mean, I've got the nothing against the, the John Lewis... secret of TV now. Because nobody watches them. You either fast-forward through them, or you never watch them at all. Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against the... Is it John Lewis with the little dragon? Well, that's the problem, because everyone's brought it, a Christmas ad out now. No no one can remember whether it's Ikea or John Lewis or yeah. Waitrose or Morrison's or whatever. So you just wait till the end, and then it pops up with one logo. Oh, but, that's the John Lewis. But the one, only time it? I've seen it is on a news story on a news website yeah. about the Christmas ads. Yeah. Political advertising, I mean, we're in that phrase at the moment. I've not seen any, if there has been any party political broadcast, not seen it because I'm not watching live TV. 
I've not seen anything on YouTube. I seem to get Grammarly a lot. I think they're trying to correct my, correct <laughs> my pronunciation. It's obviously grass and bath, yes. if Alexa's listening. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting thing. So less live TV. Yeah, because we're, there's only so many hours in the day and we're doing something else. I would obviously love to know what the Netflix figures are because I don't know about you, but Netflix is on a lot for me. Yeah. But to be fair, so's iPlayer. You know, I'm not in any way dissing the traditional broadcasters. I probably don't find myself listening to ITV Channel 5, or watching, sorry, ITV Channel 5, because I've got to have their app or whatever. I probably just don't bother. Um, but I think, you know, are people watching less TV? No, I think they're watching more. It's just not live. Yeah, and, and so you've got a company called Video Snacks. Mm. So... A channel. My a channel. company is the Creative Grid. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's a channel. And, and who are you aiming that at then? Well, I think I think it's classic entrepreneurial. Kind of, you know, we've made three videos so far. One is about Spitfire going around the world. One was about Remembrance Day. Um, and there's an art installation in Suffolk where they've made metal cutouts of the soldiers. So it's very kind of atmospheric. And then Noah's Ark yesterday. So it's very new. But the idea is that you would follow that page on Facebook or on YouTube um, or subscribe in the future via email. And you're just getting interesting news, but in a snackable format. We're not trying to be political. So all, all jokes aside that I've made on this program, I'm probably a Lib Dem voter, actually, not Labour or Conservative, but it's not in any way political and it's not trying to manipulate. And we're also wanting to show the factual side. So this issue around fake news as well. Where's it going in the long run? Well, I think it's going to get used by news organisations uh, in a similar way to community radio, where you, you do share some of the shows and things. Um, and we'll see where it goes. From my point of view, that's the kind of content that I see looked at the most. Um, live is another one that's very interesting. Live works as well. So you, it's back to this thing, you've got to know your audience, really. Different things for different people. And how do you monetize it? Well, I think... <laughs> I mean, my, the way I monetize things is I get known for being able to do all these things and I get hired and I put that money into my business okay. and, I, and I view this as one of, I mean, another channel that we're about to launch is around travel. So it's the, it's the digital nomad or it's actually called travel nomad, but it's, it's that idea of like, you know, not kind of chintzy, oh, let's go to Morocco or let's go to Bali, but like what are some of the real stories? For example, Bali is known for Eat, Pray, Love, the film with Julia Roberts, but it's kind of been ruined by that as well in places like Ubud. So where's the real Bali? That's the kind of story that we want to tell on the travel side. You might see sponsorship in the future. You might see people syndicating it so it gets more views and we make money from YouTube or elsewhere. Or you might get somebody who comes in and says, I just want to buy that format. Or maybe it dies. But we're fortunate that we've got the skills to be able to take footage. We own the footage. I have footage of Bali. I have footage of Wales. I have footage of Suffolk. That's, that's how, you know, I'm, I'm a bit different in that way. All right. Well, sadly, we've run out of time. Ralph Cochran, thank you very much. Now, Ralph, remind us, where can we find your work? Well, if you follow anything on social media, please look up The Creative Grid. Do look up Video Snacks. That's with an X. Um, and eventually I'll have a website. Um, <laughs> and you could also tweet at Marlowe FM, particularly if you're a Pendulum fan. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Ralph Cochran. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sam. That show was amazing. To listen again, please visit our website, marlowefm.co.uk. Marlo 
or visit our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology. And now you can subscribe on iTunes. Never miss a show again. See you next week. Same time, same place.